This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Magpies Unrestricted. Hello ladies and gents and welcome to Magpies Unrestricted, where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host Chris Simpson and joining me as always is Carl Thistlewine. Hello. Um, we're joining you unfortunately after another defeat for the Magpies, 1-0 defeat at Everton. But you know what? Bit of a bonkers Thursday, a rare treat first of all for a Premier League game on a Thursday night. But absolutely bonkers. It had a guy cable tying himself to the post. VAR controversy. When is there not VAR controversy? Let's be fair. <laughs> True, it, I, but it, well, it, it basically had a bit of everything except maybe the kind of quality that you'd like. But I think the VAR, I think the VAR controversy is more the fact that how many people don't get any VAR <laughs> decisions even being checked. <laughs> well, it was a, it was a weird one this time mm. when it actually went in Newcastle's favour, and, and to be honest. Um, might as well get to it now because we're on it. I don't actually think Alan should have been sent off. You see, you don't think he should have. And I think, yeah, in super slow motion, maybe not. But especially at speed. And there's absolutely no way that he could have known that at that time Sam Maximan's leg would not be on the floor. So he didn't have no feet planted at the time. It was quite high, especially considering that his feet were off the ground. It was maybe just just around ankle level, if not a little bit higher. If that foot was planted, that's mid-shin. Likelihood of that being a serious injury is quite high. So yes, at that one specific moment, yeah, maybe a yellow card. But I think if you're going to fly yourself into challenges like that, you just get lucky as to whether or not you injure someone. Uh, And I think he was lucky that he didn't. So I can see why the red card has been put. You don't want players going in like that. And yeah, it was a one-foot tackle, but it was high. It was cynical. Um, and I think it was fortunate that there were no planted legs because that could have been that could have been a leg breaker. Yeah, I think um, I think if 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 Craig Porson had just given a red card straight off the bat, I don't think too many people might have argued with it. I think. When I saw that it was yellow, I thought, yeah, that's fair enough. And then I, I was a bit surprised VAR was so adamant about it that he had to go and look at the monitor. And, and then, of course, he, he overturned his decision and made it a red. Um, so I, I, and I can understand why Alan was made. Yeah, I think I, I can understand why he felt a bit hard done by. But equally, I do take your point. And to be fair, I don't necessarily have a problem with referees trying to stamp out cynical challenges like that. No, Man, Man I, City are the absolute kings of that challenge. But, but this is this that, is that's the how thing. they shut down counter attack. They, they never get pulled up on but Whereas these teams, and I'm saying it as a lower tier. I, I don't mean that in a negative connotation, but you you know what I mean, as mm. in your Man City, Chelsea, Man United to a lesser degree, and Liverpool. They can get away with so much. But this type of tackle could could potentially be um, very, very life-changing for the player on the receiving end. And 
Yeah, no, I see 100% what you mean. Like, if that was just a yellow card, you just move on and that and that would be done with it. And, yeah, if you didn't get to see it in slow motion, I think, yes, that's fine. I, I, I disagree with you in, in that extent that I think when you see it in slow motion, you see how high it was and how mm. lucky um, so Maxman was. So, actually, I agree with the turning over of the card because to the letter of the law, that was a high tackle. He wasn't in control and he made no contact with the ball. Um so it's not just a professional foul to get a yellow card. It's a dangerous one. Yeah, and I, like I say, I, I, I do take the point. And as I just said, um, in terms of, yeah, those sort of cynical fouls to stop counter-attacks. As I say, Man City, they're the, they're the kings of it because they're very clever in that they know that nine times out of, well, more than nine times out of ten, the vast majority of the time, you are only going to get a yellow card for it. And, of course, they very cleverly change which player does it yeah. each time so obviously they don't get people sent off and yeah I, I don't necessarily mind if referees do start maybe clamping down on that a bit more I don't think that was necessarily an example of that here I think as you said it was more because of the fact that yeah it was high it was it was dangerous rather than just the fact that it was cynical so I'm not saying that this is necessarily indicative of any actual uh, pattern. I imagine that situation is very much going to just continue and teams like Man City, who are really, really good at exploiting it, will just continue to do so. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't necessarily have a problem with uh, with those sort of cynical challenges being sort of stand down on because you know, they are dangerous at the end of the day. And a lot, you know, yeah, obviously it was an Everton player this time. I don't like seeing it from Newcastle players, obviously you want to sh- shut down a counter-attack. You, you want to stop the um, the enemy. That's a bit extreme. You want to stop the opposing team from, from, well, like I said, having that counter, hitting you on the break, punishing you, which, of course, actually is what happened to Newcastle after Everton went down to 10 men. We were pushing forward. Obviously, they hit, they hit us on the break with uh, Iwobi and, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin, and to be fair, it was a really good break from them well-worked goal and obviously you want to try and shut that chance down you want to kill that momentum but yeah I don't care who's doing it whether it's us whether it whether it's the opponent I, they're not challenges I really like seeing as much as you don't want their, the opposition team to, to have a chance on your goal yeah they, they are sort of cynical I, I don't really like them I understand why they've done these tactical fouls I completely get the logic behind it. And obviously the teams, as long as they can get away with it or just get away with the yellow card, they're going to continue doing it. But yeah, I, I, I don't I don't really like to see them. So from that point of view as well, um, though I do take the point about how it, it probably was quite dangerous. And I think we were maybe quite fortunate that Sam Maximan wasn't, um, you know, wasn't really hurt in it. And, uh, yeah, I 100% think if his foot was planted the way that the studs are shaped now, because it's more blades rather than studs, even if it was a stud, depending on the length, obviously increases the, the likelihood of injury. But those studs would obviously designed to not move in a horizontal uh, displacement, and it probably would have resulted in a, a serious injury. And I mean, just just to look at the game more widely, like I said, I mean, don't get me wrong, it was hardly our best performance of of the season or even really of, of recent months. In fact, I, I've seen a bit of criticism of Newcastle um, from, from our fans online. And I'm not saying it was a great performance from us, but I also think, you know, it's, I, mean, I don't think it was that bad either. I thought we were actually the better team. to change. 
Come on. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't think this is the, the 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 majority of people, but just yeah, just some some so some sections of the fan base. And as I say, I'm not going to sit here and say it, it was great, but you know what, we were the better team in the first half. And also, actually, that first half, obviously, the Everton Everton the situation there in like, you know, they they were desperate for the points. They certainly needed them more than we did. Their fans helped make it a great atmosphere. At yeah, Coulson there Park. was definitely a big air of desperation there, and, and that would definitely you could see it. Um, rejuvenated, I don't think is the right word, but it proper made the Everton players on edge. Uh, and everything was very much hell for leather. And I think Newcastle actually did well to control that first half. Um, yeah, it's just really unfortunate you didn't get anything from it. Yeah, I think that was the problem. I mean, certainly on Everton's side, even more than ours, but us as well to, to an extent, which I think is possibly where some of the criticism come from is bit of that quality in the final third was lacking on both sides. I mean, as I say, especially the first half, Everton had even less quality than we did, and we didn't necessarily like have a ton of great chances on their goal either. Um, and the second half then was was more even, um, especially because that disruption right at the start of the first half probably just didn't help the flow a bit either. But on the whole, I thought, yeah, that it was it was a good intensity in the game, and I actually quite enjoyed watching it. F- as I say, for the most part, despite certain issues, um, I suppose we should get to the bloke who cable tied himself by the neck, which is actually quite impressive. I cannot, I'm sorry, to but the I, goalpost. I think what we need to say is why did that bloke get the biggest bloody bulk I've ever seen? Oh he God. wasn't a chain, just fucking scissors. Scissors, bandage scissors from a medic's kit would have been more appropriate and more effective. There's something designed for chains. And the way the way the boat was going for it as well, and obviously failing because it the, because it's not designed to cut something that pathetically small. It was hilarious. Bloody bandage cutters, Jesus! That's like a boat going. Oh, I've got it, big, big, big size, big size. Go for the biggest one. Pointless, completely inappropriate for um, the job at hand. <laughs> yeah, and it and it took you know these like five stewards and other staff. It just mashed it. It took them eight <laughs> minutes. To, to get this guy free, I suspect grounds uh, in the future might keep a, a pair of scissors on hand for uh, any any similar shenanigans now to avoid such delays. But then, after that, then the way he, as soon as they got him free, he just flops to the ground in non-violent protest. So like four of them had to like carry him off. It was it was pathetic. Just I mean, ignoring everything else, it was just it was just hilarious. I mean, I t- <laughs> no, I'm gonna say this is gonna get. But, you know, that, that guy had, had that planned and they had absolutely no freaking idea how to deal with him. So, I'm sorry, if you're going to protest, you've got to plan it well on fair play. So, <laughs> oh, let's not forget that there was an Everton fan who ran off. Oh, punched my. him in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which made the delay longer. But also, he's now going to get a worse punishment than the bloke he was protesting. Yeah. Because they're both going to get done for disrupting the game and going on the pitch. But he's also going to get done for assault. What a... Yeah. <laughs> I mean... What an absolute bellend. <laughs> it's just like that. It's just a, just a flat. Um, I get it. You don't have to agree. I get it. He's ruining your evening. I get it. You can be mad. That doesn't mean he deserves to be punched in the face. It doesn't. Yeah, no, not no. The just just, just, not just to be clear, yeah. uh, listen, we're not condoning violence uh, on anyone. Um, you know, but just just the whole situation, the absurdity 
of the whole situation. Um, as I said, unfortunately, then it was frustrating. Fast forward to the sending off, which happened in the 83rd minute, but because of the delay with the processor and then, of course, the, the VAR sending off, that took several minutes as well. So really, even though it happened in the 83rd minute, there was a good 20-plus minutes left of the game for Everton to play with 10 men. Obviously, it's then frustrating for us to not only not go on and win it, but to actually go on and lose it. As I say, unfortunately, these things can happen. We were pushing for the winner. We got caught on the break. I'm going to be honest. Um, I just finished a 13-hour day. It's a really rough week. And I went to bed just after the the sending off because, man, <laughs> I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> well, so the last part is all on you, Chris, because, I mean, I've well, seen it, but I didn't see it live. And to be fair, Newcastle looked like they were going to scuff it for quite a lot of that half. <laughs> so, well, hey, well, you missed Frank Lampard uh, breaking his hand in celebration. Nice. What did he punch? Um, not the really air. sure. He just... Yeah, he just said that he must have caught it on something. He apparently didn't realise, I guess, until the adrenaline wore off a few minutes later. But... All right. I mean, look, yeah, Everton obviously needed those points a lot more than we did. As I said, I think because of the situation we're in, I'm not nearly as gutted as I could be. But I am. it is obviously frustrating. Um, and especially those that now means back-to-back defeats. We certainly didn't deserve to lose the Chelsea game as as we discussed in last week's pod. I think it's also worth remembering, you know, that it was our fourth game in twelve days, third away game in seven, some long trips in there to, to Southampton and Chelsea before the Everton game. You know it, it's it's hard to get to be too harsh on the players given all that and obviously the fact that, you know, we, we weren't playing with our Strongest team still, obviously. It it's frustrating, but I think we've just got to take it on the chin and just hope. You know, we've got a break now. We've got the international break coming up. We've got a couple of weeks off. The players can have a bit of a rest. Um, you know, and, and come back hopefully strong for the for the final uh, running. I don't think Eddie Howe's going to let complacency set in. Um, with nine points clear of Watford. I will definitely feel better once we've got you know another four or five points on the board. But again, I I don't think uh, we're in too much trouble at this point. We've certainly done most of the heavy lifting in terms of getting ourselves out. We just got to really f- get ourselves over that line now, which hopefully we'll be able to do. Um, like I say, in that running, hopefully you know sooner rather than later. But you know it it, it is what it is with that one. Onto the news now. Um, we touched last week. Well, in fact, we talked about it quite quite extensively last week about Eddie Howe and the whole situation with him. You know, having to answer questions, you know, about the Saudis and, and what's going on over there. Obviously, that is still an issue, <laughs> um, and it's one that I imagine we'll probably talk about again before the end of the season. Uh, but he did touch on some comments from Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville that they made on Monday Night Football when they sort of discussed that whole issue. And they, of course, said that, you know, he should be prepared to answer some of the difficult questions posed of him. Um, I'll, I'll read out his response and then we can have a bit of a chat about it. He said, In the modern world, part of my job is to know what's going on around the world, and I'm reading up on that. 
I respect Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher's opinion and I get on well with them. I have no issue with what they said, but ultimately it's my right to say what I need to say. It's a difficult one for everyone concerned. I understand the questions have to be asked. I've got no problem with that. Uh, from my perspective, and I've always maintained this, my specialty subject is football. It's what I know, it's what I've trained to do. As soon as I deviate from that into an area where I don't feel qualified to have a huge opinion, I think I go into dangerous ground, so I prefer to stick uh, to what I believe I know. Um, I mean, it's maybe a little bit better than it, uh, from how in terms of he didn't at least completely bat away the question. Um, but ultimately, the journalists asking these questions, you know, I mean, they're not expecting Eddie Howe to be some sort of geopolitical expert. Uh, and at the end of the day, you don't need to be one, for example, to condemn the executions of 81 people. Yeah. You're allowed to have an opinion on morality, no matter what the geopolitical relationship is or the religious relationships between the two groups, because whatever it is, morally, pretty certain there isn't a religion that says you should just go and kill people for them not believing your religion. And yet, if you actually go and read all the books... Um, and translate them that is exactly the none of them condemn violence or murder so exactly try. At, at the end of the day yeah however Saudi Arabia might justify these executions or any of these other issues that are going on you, it's not difficult to read up on some of the human rights abuses we've covered a lot of them before as we've said the treatment of women being obviously a, a pretty massive ongoing one as well as you said, it, it's, a, it's a moral thing rather than a political thing. You don't have to necessarily get into the politics of it or, or maybe any, any anything of a religious nature. You can just say, well, you know what, I don't think we should be killing people. I think men and women are equals and should be treated as such. That, you know. I think the theory is people saying, oh, you don't understand the culture. But again, it's not about culture at the end of the day. It, it, it's morality and what you are allowed to state your morality without just because that's against what someone else is saying does not mean that's the culture. And if it does, doesn't mean that culture should be ignored because it's someone else's culture. If that is morally wrong, then it's morally wrong. Just because they might wear different clothes, that's a culture thing. And yeah, don't take the piss out of people for that if they wear something that is unusual to what you are. But if someone's killing somebody for simply existing or maybe following a different religion, maybe following a different um, political viewpoint, doesn't mean they should be killed. Yeah, and, and well, and, and even if I mean, the, according to the Saudis, the, the the men in question had committed a variety of crimes, but you know, at the end of the day, everyone has a right to a fair trial. I personally disagree with the death penalty. Uh, I don't think that's a particularly controversial stance um, in, in most places in the world in 2022. Just, yeah. Uh, uh, and as I say, it, it's, it's an ongoing thing and it's going to keep coming up because um, these stories aren't going to go away. So it's maybe a, a tiny bit better from Eddie Howe, but there's still a lot of room to be done. At the end of the day, Eddie, I could say, you know, I can appreciate if you if you want to, you know, you, you want to wait until you're as informed as possible on a subject to speak up. But if you're kind of just using that as an, an excuse to never speak up, 
you know, it doesn't look great. So once again, I'm just yeah, we we hope you do better in that regard. To be to be perfectly honest, um, a little bit of good news to end on. No uh, no preview this week, of course, listeners, because as I say, international break coming up, so we don't have a game uh, now for a couple of weeks. Um, so yeah, a little bit of good news to finish up on. Uh, Shearer's bar is back to being Shearer's bar again. Um, follows uh, the Alan Shearer statue being moved onto St James's Park land. And guess who? Uh, guess who it all boils down to again, ladies and gentlemen. That's right, it's Mike Ashley wearing his beautiful face once again. Uh, obviously, he was the reason it was renamed Nine Bar after he fell out with Alan Shearer, um, because you know Alan Shearer wouldn't put up with his crap. Uh, <laughs> and again, as we've spoken about uh, with with the statue and with these other things, while it's obviously it's just an, it's an easy PR move for the club and for the owners, obviously. But as always, we acknowledge that. But equally, it is nice to exercise those sort of last remnants of, of Mike Ashley's reign, um, because look, if we're going to have uh, these morally <laughs> questionable. <laughs> Questionable doing a lot of heavy lifting in that sentence. But if we are going to have uh, these owners, well, we might as well at least try and get rid of the memories from the old one, at least. <laughs> if nothing else. So we will keep you apprised of any more developments uh, with the club. We'll go over some more news and, and whatnot next week. And, and yeah, probably not going to be a very long one next week, so there won't be a game to talk about. But we'll have some updates for you, I'm sure, and a bit of looking ahead to that final stretch of the season. Yeah. In the meantime, though, if you could please give the podcast a like and subscribe and leave us a positive review, that would be absolutely fantastic. And until next time, this has been Magpies Unrestricted. I've been your host, Chris Simpson. Thanks, Cara. No problem. And thank you, listeners. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.